guys this is fly london uk i just finished having a shower and um i was just thinking about something that i was listening to my green room podcast that i did a few days ago with some of you and um i really enjoyed us making time for that one it's social media drug you know we all know social media is addictive um whether we believe it's a drug or not if something is addictive is it not then a drug, you know? Maybe that's open for everyone to decide for themselves. But this podcast is not about that. I wanted to do a podcast about grooming, online grooming. What are we learning from all of the information that has been shared with us around that topic and that situation that is affecting so many young people today and even adults, you know? All of us, it's affecting all of us, Um whether we say, oh, it's down to the parents or it's down to common sense, it's happening. So I wanted to do a podcast that was dedicated to recognising online grooming is real. It's taking so many youngsters' lives. It's destroying families and communities. And it's savage. It's, a, it's like, um, it's so savage that it's like the silent cry of innocence that is basically muzzled and it's just destroyed you know and then it's like untold stories untold fulfilled dreams and it just leaves a lot of families and communities feeling so broken and like this happened we have to speak about it and we have to always keep speaking about it because it's something that is going on you know and I feel like I want to do my part um, to contribute to that conversation going forward. And it got me thinking about how am I, how am I using my voice as well as um, how am I being mindful to the environment, not only that my children are being brought up in, but the world around them and the virtual world that they're engaged with, just like I'm engaged in talking on this podcast, being online, being on social media, being an influence. Am I sending out the right signals to young people when I'm sharing my stories? And um, it had me thinking, definitely I could say, sometimes my stories may feel like I am glamorising bad behaviour to some people. And um, maybe that I'm um, maybe still living that lifestyle. Then that's for you guys to decide. Um, I'm not really bothered if people think that, to be honest. Um, because I've just got a catalogue of stories that I want to actually share and I know what I started and why I started talking it was um, therapy for me and um, I say that like somebody said something to criticise what I'm doing no one has if anything I've just received a lot of praise about it and um, I kind of feel mixed about it I feel like I've had encouragement and there's a lot of people possibly who feel like you know what she's chatting up the thing. she's saying what I wanted to say and maybe I can't say it because I know certain people are going to judge me based on what I say. I'm just walking up my stairs. Sound effects, sound effects. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm going to go in my room and sit down and do this podcast. I'm going to make this one short and I'll probably keep recording on top of it. And maybe um, I'll have an online conversation with some of you around grooming. Like, who's responsible? How can we prevent it? I feel like I want to go into maybe 
how I feel grooming is going to always be there. Because for whatever reason, abuse will always exist in the world we live in. We're living in a fast-paced world. Um, we're living in a broken society, a broken system, whereby parents hardly have enough time with their children. They're out working long hours when they come back in. They feel like they want to crash and detach from the world around them for whatever reasons, because of different pressures that are imposed on them daily, you know? We're all living different lives and having different levels of well-being as well as stress factors coming in and obviously rocking the boat and disturbing family life, you know, natural, the natural flow and vibrations of family life, like real meaningful connections, you know. So um, it got me thinking about how can we prevent our youngsters and young ones slipping through the net and I would, I'm going to share a story, okay? And I'm going to give you a story uh, around how I was groomed um, by somebody that was much older when I was a teenager. And I'm going to show you how grooming needs an environment, okay? So it needs an environment. It's definitely a host, okay? So the host is not the the person who is... Um, coming into the environment and seeking. The host is vulnerability, neglect, sadness, um, a level of brokenness, okay? Unheard cries, okay? Unhealed trauma, distress, friction. And um, yeah, like definitely um, people who are groomed online, they could have a good quality of life, um, loving um, family, parents could be amazing, that person still could be groomed. So I'm not just trying to say that people who are groomed are always in a bad environment. The environment is wherever the victim is. So if even if the environment that they're growing up in is a productive and secure environment, that individual, for whatever reason, is not secure. And there's been factors that have polluted that individual to feel broken and sad and um, has tore down a lot of confidence and a lot of, um, you know, being able to communicate how one is feeling, the connection with their loved ones, and then takes themselves online. You don't have to be groomed online for it to be grooming. You can be groomed in your community. So in a bit, I'm going to share a story of how I was groomed in my community and... um, yeah, what made the difference, how I get got out of that toxic um, level of abuse, that toxic situation, should I say, I'm going to tell you and I'm going to share openly everything that I encountered um, when it came to that individual, their level of control and what I felt like about myself, what I was experiencing as a teenager and how it was so easy for them to really sink in their teeth and start controlling my thoughts and how I felt about myself um, through everyday interactions with that person, you know? So, um, yeah, there's a process. There's a process. So I'm going to go through that. I'm going to just, like, cream up my body and I'll get into it. And, yeah, if if you're interested to know how is it 
that people are abused. This cannot be, you know? And there'll be some people that will say abuse is a choice. Well, if you're vulnerable and you're a young person or you have... um, if you have a sort of learning disability or you have an impairment, let's say any impairment, any cognitive impairment, you know, or any kind of thing like that, you're more likely to experience grooming, you're more likely to experience abuse and neglect, and you're more likely to be able to be easily controlled by somebody who is aware that you have those disorders, that someone who's aware that they can identify that you don't have a um you don't have a true sense of self you don't have a secure and loving environment you are you are broken you are broken so what this this person who comes into groom does they try to be the peace in the storm for that individual who they're grooming and they they trick that person into a false sense of security that they they're, that's all they need to focus on and they um they kind of dilute the situation and neutralize it and feed positive affirmations to that person but yet still along the way they're breaking them down building them up so then they are they're grooming them into control and then they are now no longer feeling um like they are able to have any sense of self whatsoever because they've become reliant on that individual to tell them who they are, how they should think and how they should live and see the world around them and what the world around them is. So yeah, guys, I'll be back with how I was groomed and how it was possible and how I actually um, came out of that situation and my advice to parents today. So join me back after this. Hi guys, this is Sophia London UK and today I'm continuing when I said yesterday, when I started doing um, the podcast, I started creating the podcast around my lived experience of being groomed by an older man while I was a teenager. So today, as promised, I'm going to obviously continue and see how far I can get. I'll be honest, I'm trying to keep this podcast to another 10 minutes max. So you might find that I speed things up and maybe I kind of dilute things because the last segment is going to be about how we can prevent our children, obviously, being groomed by individuals online and in our communities. Um, so, yeah, this is just my truth. This is my truth in that this was an event that happened to me. It took me to get to my 20s, my late 20s and definitely when I was in motherhood, um, the journey of motherhood, for me to really accept and receive that I had been groomed while having a relationship or abusive relationship with an older male. And um, yeah, I'm just going to get into it because like I say, I can normally end up waffling if I don't stick on course and I don't want to cheat you guys of receiving this um, podcast and kind of like distracting you away from the message okay so i'll start and see where i get to so like i said this time it was i remember it like it was yesterday if i be honest and 
a lot of my memories yesterday I do remember. So it was summertime. I was with my friend Florence. We was hanging in the fields and we was in this parked area. But it was like, when I say parked area, it was like, I don't know, open graveyard. But it wasn't a graveyard. It was just concrete jungle with a bit of apparatus. And I remember leaving out that day and I was wearing my t-shirt dress. And I remember Florence complimenting my legs. She would always be... Um, trying to boost me up or maybe she had admired me somewhat or she was trying to give me confidence or um, maybe she had just admired my legs um, and was trying to um, make me feel like I looked good and just encouraging me so anyway um, I remember wearing the t-shirt dress and um, I think Florence must have been in her a-line skirt yeah she possibly would have been in like a white a-line skirt a-line skirt it's the kind of old school thing so it's just like a very short mini skirt that is denim yeah and it has either buttons at the side or down the middle and then she would have been in a crop top so we were both looking mighty cute well we called it cute that back then or looking like hot hot things <laughs> I feel cheeky even telling the story so I'm gonna tell the story in the mindset that I was yesterday so that you get the whole picture of what it was like for me um, in that experience and going out obviously for that day and my mindset and how how um, lots of different things had affected my um, my whole outlook so I'm giving you the the picture right so I remember I had been out with Florence normally I would be with her and she was my bedroom she was a popular girl at school she was cool with everyone and I was popular but there was definitely some girls that were finding me somehow offensive or they were offended by my presence at times so there was definitely crews that I wasn't invited to be in but Florence was able to be kind of like the girl that could float with everyone and she definitely was trying to bring me into the main circle at times but for whatever reason I think she was quite she was a leader and a follower type of individual in that um she got on with everyone she was definitely brilliant at her subjects and everyone liked her she was very likable um but at times she would be maybe um seen as a follower to some people who um, knew that sometimes she was easily led to just agree to be accepted more than state how she felt about a situation you know which we all kind of were guilty of so I can't really say that was a shortcoming by her that was just us being young and dumb I suppose all of us were kind of similar in that way there was some um, that would agree but let me get back to um the, the actual day because I remember the day like I said so I've told you how me and Floyd used to flex. We used to go out and either it would be a day that we would be like, we kind of were boy crazy. We kind of wanted boys to notice us, you know? So we was at that stage where we definitely had permission to be outside. It was daylight. So yeah, it was safe and we was allowed to go out because two girls hanging out together. Yeah, what's going to happen? Nothing's going to happen. We're going to be trusted to be out and be on our best behavior because what harm can two girls get up to? Nothing, right? yeah, whatever, they can get up to a lot of badness. And um, I would say that um, Florence was a very big-chested female, so she definitely got, when I would be out with her, she would be definitely be capturing the eyes of older men who 
would try to obviously um, come over to her, assuming that she was either just a very big breast female and not really recognising her age, or maybe they did recognise her age, but they just didn't care. They just was trying to go true on some young thing, which was really ridiculous that back then, I would say, when we got to our adole late adolescence um, and we were teenagers or preteens, it seemed like, I don't know... I even look back and I remember when I got to 12, I was saying to my mum, I remember being beside my mum saying, I want to have a boyfriend. So it was kind of like that kind of me kind of maybe reaching out, feeling like I was empty somehow about whatever had gone on in my yesterday and feeling the need to be approved by males and definitely even being inquisitive to then be bracing enough to say to my mum, I want to have a boyfriend. <laughs> like, there was boys checking me, but there wasn't boys checking me. I was just um, playing and being very tomboyish in that sense, kind of losing myself and being hidden and um, not being confident. But like I said, me and Florence went out that day. And we were in the fields, and I remember us um, sitting amongst the apparators and then... We were just chatting and laughing. I think we were plotting. Yeah, we were out there plotting. I'm not even going to lie. And we was talking about where we could go to see other boys out and about. And talking about possibly people, maybe celebrities that we admired. Music that was happening at the time. Just a very young, upbeat conversation. Kind of like um, Secret Diaries kind of conversation that young teens would be having, you know. And um, all I remember is this: these two guys coming over. I think they must have overheard our conversation. They were sitting away from us, and I think they were kind of like looking over to see um, who we were and kind of staring. And I remember them staring at us for a good 15 minutes before coming over. And I remember thinking, feeling flattered somehow and maybe even feeling sure that this this these guys would be obviously wanting to chirps flow flow because where she had the big breasts and she was very developed i was flat chested um and yeah it would just be normal practice that guys would always be more attracted to my female friends and um especially the girls that were more um developed you know when it came to breasts or body and um i was flat front and back <laughs> i think i was flat sides my my hips weren't out and um, my back it was definitely flat <laughs> when I say flat it was a normal proportion for a child of my age I would say and um, I hadn't hit into like big puberty that time so I was going through changes but I wasn't really developing visually anyway and def definitely not mentally <laughs> but I remember um this one of them came over to Florence and he must have goes to her, oh, you're right. That's how they do it. Yeah, you're right. And he must have snuck in and he was asking her like how she is and um, how old she is. And she must have said that, I believe she said that she was, um, she either said that her real age or she put her age up by one year. I can't remember. Um, yeah, I think, no, tell a lie. I think Florence would have to tell me, I haven't met up with her for many years, but she would have to tell me, you know, it went down like this, Sophia. But I know he was trying to suss her out and answer her questions. So he was picking very much details about 
her and what her environment was so he was finding out a bit of her interest if she had a boyfriend and then every question he would ask her she would tilt her head and she would obviously um her whole body language would appear very innocent and very um kind of like like high school girl first crush kind of mode you know so he definitely would have been able to see that we were young girls and um even by flow flow parring with me where I was flat chested like I said he definitely would have been able to see that we were young school girls and even when I look at flow flow back then she did look like a teenager she was just tall and she was big breasted she was a bit like a black barbie she was big breasted and had long um slim legs and um she was just like in her feminine energy and she just had a very developed body but um her face and her features were very young and youthful so um i still would i still am not convinced that he had no idea and then um i think i don't really remember the conversation she would have had because what ended up happening I sat there feeling uncomfortable and feeling a bit like left out of the mix, you know? I felt, again, it was like an affirmation that, yet again, nobody had chosen to try and speak to me. And I felt a bit envious that they were busy talking and feeling like I would never have that experience of a of a guy to admire me. So anyway, um, the guy that was with him, there was another guy, like I said, he was there, and I say guy, but these guys, they looked very fresh-faced, and I would say they look like they could have been our age, seriously, but then again, because I was mostly kept inside a certain environment in the state, I wasn't really, I didn't really know faces in the community like that, to know who was who, because when I grew up on a housing estate and I went from one housing estate to another and it was like my childhood was centered around the actual building and if I was going out it would be we would be going to places um either a few group of a group of children or we would be taken there by I don't know the um community leaders in our community who were um project leaders of youth events or centers and stuff like that. So it was very sheltered somewhat. Um so I was really naive. So anyway, where obviously I was feeling um I don't know I, was, I remember Flo Flo was speaking there with him for a while. It felt like she was there um speaking and I think I kind of just kind of started to feel like maybe I should just walk off and go home because she was just talking for so long and then um I remember this guy coming over and he had this big smile and big grin on his face and he must have came over to me and he must have said he was with the same guy that was talking to Florence and then he must have come over to me and he must have been like hi and then he was like hi how are you and he must have been talking to me and asking about me and then asking what school do I go to and stuff like that and I told him I didn't feel like he was a man like I said because I was unaware of his age because his outer appearance seemed like he might have just been a year older or two max than me and Flo 
and I wasn't under the impression that it was a guy, like an older guy, but he definitely was a lot older than us, than his image. But they both were quite young, fresh-faced guys. So anyway, I say guys, but I looked at them like older boys, um, just by a few years than us, Max. But anyway, um, I would have I would have been fourteen at this time. And I hadn't had a boyfriend, hadn't been allowed to stay out with boys. I had had male friends, um, but I was still a virgin, you know. And um, the way I played with boys yesterday when I was growing up would be, we just be, um, I don't know, football buddies or people you grew up that you went to school with. So my circle was very tight and small. And the boys in the community that I kind of flexed with, they were known to, our families were known to each other. So it was more like growing up with your cousins, your brothers, and then it just feeling like a tribe, like a village, really. So yeah, he started talking to me and then he was like, um, he started um, talking to me and he was asking me if I had a boyfriend. And I was like, no, and I started giggling. I think I was so shy. It was hard to even speak. And um I remember just feeling like quite naked and feeling quite um like exposed um and I just felt like I was warm inside like I was I was like feeling like a bit threatened in a sense right that he would know that a boy hadn't spoken to me so I was trying to convey a level of confidence like it was normal practice that boys had spoken to me so I was answering, but my body language was saying something else, yeah? And then um, I just remember him saying, um, I remember him pointing over and saying he lives over there with his dad in the house and um, he would like to be my boyfriend. And then I remember him ending the conversation. It was really, really brief. He ended the conversation and he kissed me on my forehead. And that was the first kiss that a boy had given me while I was a teenager. And I was just like, wow. I just felt something different. And I think I just melted. And I was just focused about that kiss on my forehead. And it was like my receiving my validation that was just like, he just added somehow value to me. Like, how stupid was I? I definitely needed to slap. I should have been inside playing with my dolls or reading some books. But no, I was outside there in the community, hanging out, wearing an A-line T-shirt. No, Florence was wearing an A-line skirt. I was wearing a T-shirt, laced um, dress, T-shirt dress. And I was really short. And I remember I had my black um, clogs that were wooden on the heel. It was just like a little wedge. It wasn't heeled ones. It was like the original ones. And I was, and I think I, my, I must have been wearing like a size four at that time in um, shoes. So I had these little tiny little feet. And um, I remember I didn't even have any tights on. Obviously, it was summer. Who's going to have tights on with a T-shirt dress? So I had under the T-shirt dress, it had some shorts attached to the crotch bit. So, um, but you couldn't really see the shorts. So the actual skirt was really short. But at this time, I remember in high school, at that time, I think I would have been um, definitely about, I don't know, I could have been four foot, I think I could have been like four foot eight or max five foot max. I didn't really, I wasn't really a tall person. I was really, really short. I was really short. 
But um, after that day, every time me and Flo Flo must have seen those guys in the community, it was like them always making an effort to um, compliment our outlook and our beauty and compliment. It started off all cute and all harmless and it would be complimenting our 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 futures and saying that we're really nice we're very beautiful girls and all this both boosting up our head and all this glorifying us and saying telling us that we're special and I wouldn't know what would be told to Florence but I know that um the guy who was grooming me even though I didn't look at as grooming I looked at him as a guy that fancied me and this was gonna be the greatest love story ever somehow so when I left um, the park that day with Florence, we went away and we was just like full of hype, you know, we was full of hype and we was just like, we, we're the baddest, we're the baddest, we're the baddest. And we was like, ah, we was just screaming and we was going on with ourselves, And it was all, it was, it started off all fine and dandy in that we didn't believe what would happen going forward, but we were kind of like preying and maybe having explicit thoughts about this relationship. But I'll be honest to say, um, at that day, that day when I was speaking to him, I wasn't thinking about um, him touching my body. Max, I was thinking about, is he going to kiss me on the lips next time? Or something like that, you know? Um, not touchy and feely, but when I say explicit thoughts for a 14 year old, explicit thoughts for me was enough to just be thinking about, is he going to kiss me with my lips next time? And I want to see him again. And that felt good. And I liked his company and it felt safe and all of that. So what ends up happening, um, to not hype up the story more than it needs to be. I ended up, um, seeing this guy when I went, I would have to be sent to the laundrette. So often, um, it would be weekend, every weekend I would have to be going to the laundrette as well as I think during the week there might be times I'll be sent to the shop, I was sent to the shop a lot so I was always sent to the shop like I don't know possibly um, yeah children like me were once upon a time the delivery route yeah, the walkie-talkies that the parents are sending them to the shop. Be careful when you're sending your children to shop for you, ferry and certain things, because the characters they're going to meet on the way is the big bad wolf, best believe. And that's another thing um, that I would say, abstain from it, because just one conversation can change your child's life, depending on the relationship with you, as well as um, how how their environment and you don't know what's really going on in your child's life because they could be secretive and they might not be confident so yeah I, I think the re- the way I was able to get more hooked by this guy was where I was sent to the shop he started clocking where my movements were where I was always located he started to be seen in those areas and know what day I would basically be around in a certain environment so he would always wear this bright yellow jacket. I remember um, this bright le- yellow, um, I don't know if it was from Pro Beatles or it definitely, I think it was from Selfridges. I think he was wearing some shocking, luminous yellow iceberg jacket. And it was pretty cool. It impressed me a lot that he was wearing designer, like young and dumb, obviously. Yeah, hard not life maybe. But I was impressed that he was just like well-dressed, well-groomed had an amazing smile 
and he just had a level of cleanliness that I'd admired in a in a guy. And I hadn't seen that in the estate at any time, even though he was living on a different estate near to the fields. He was living in the Cowley estate, but um, it was still like, the, the way his lifestyle was being presented to me, he just seemed like he was focused and he was a good good boy and um he never really said anything awful to me that made me feel like in the early stages to be honest he never said something to me that made me feel like how I was feeling and being made to feel out at home he never really said anything that made me what he did in the early stages before he got me to go into the house and obviously take my virginity was he was grooming me into a level of feeling safe and dependent onto him and needing him to basically um, make me feel like the only friend or the only person that cared about me was him. And that's what he was doing. So he was adding um, whatever I felt it was. He was somehow adding and validating me and my worth as well as he would be like asking me oh, how school and he would be acting like he goes to school and he'd be like, yeah, there's so much work to do and stuff like that. But he was gassing it. He was gassing everything. Everything was lie. He wasn't at school. He wasn't a student, you know, and he would hardly ever talk about his life. He would just talk about Max. Um, like he would just try and act like he's a normal guy that he respects his family and he would be like, oh, I have to look after my sister and my dad and I've got to focus and I've got to get the top grades and all of that. He would be just chatting shit and it would be all lies. It was never truth, you know, it was never the truth. He would just be, he'd just be waffling and just be making up some fake stories all the time when I'd be seeing him. So I remember he must have made up this fake story. This is how I went to his house and saw no adults there when I lost my virginity that night. I remember there was a lot of stuff going on in the house that I wasn't happy about. Like I said, my mum was an alcoholic. So um, I was always getting picked on by my sister. My brother, he was hardly there. He was always out with his girlfriend. And then um, there would be always people who would want to obviously come over to my mum's and I would always be cussing my mum and seeing these drunken masters in my mum's house. And it was just chaos, yeah? It was just chaos and I hated it. I had, I felt always hungry. I always felt like I was thirsty for life, but I felt like I was being suffocated. So yeah, I remember... Um, started learning to climb out my window and obviously he had got me to start coming to visit him in the evening and meeting him in the park and we sit down talking and he would hold my hand and he would obviously give me hugs and then I remember it got to the stage where he built up the story that he's going his dad was going on holiday and his mum was going on holiday and the uncle would be looking after them and it was all lies he was just trying to talk as um, give the idea that he was definitely some young person so he was trying to obviously explain why there wouldn't be adults in the house and um yeah so I ended up climbing out my window and first I was telling him I can't come out that late like he wanted me to obviously climb out of my window my bedroom at that time was downstairs in my mom's house in the estate right so it was easy and I remember climbing out. First, I was scared to go. And then I was like, I'm not even scared to go because 
a lot had happened to me and I'd remembered that I wasn't even scared of the street. I wasn't really scared of the street. I just needed to be around him. So I remember the day, um, the day I had seen him, I had earlier, I had been there um, after school. I think I, we had walked past and um, I was walking with a friend who was known to him. And they, like a lot of my friends from school knew this person's house, right? And that should have been another red flag because they were grooming a lot of um, virgins, a lot of young girls to basically go in there. And obviously they would obviously um, groom a lot of girls basically into the house and obviously take their virginity. So I just looked at it as that this young guy, he was popping. He was um, very, um, the it boy and him and his cousins and friends were the it guys. And it was more even convincing me that he's definitely a young guy. I was so naive and so ridiculous. Just so thirsty for attention at that stage, you know. I'm glad I'm not like that now. But, um, yeah, so that's how he got in. And that's how he was able to, because he was the nice guy. He was the friend. He never made me feel like, at that stage, obviously, where he was obviously seeing me over a course of weeks. I would say it was like about a month so he did the groundwork, got into my head, got into my psyche, um, poured in validation, made me feel secure and reliant on his company and his words and everything needing him like a drug to make me feel like the day was nice. Like, yeah, the day was nice. And maybe his words helped take a lot of pressure off that I was experiencing. So anyway, I remember... Um, I remember him saying to me, I want you to prove that you love me. It got to that day and that's what it came down to. And I, and I was saying like, what do you mean I do love you? And he's like, no, you've got to prove it. You've got to prove it. And I was like, how? And then he told me, he goes, you've got to sleep with me. You've got, you've got to make love with me. And then I was like, I can't, I'm a virgin, I can't do that, I'm not, I'm not supposed to do that, and at that time I was Christian, so I knew that that was, um, fornication, I'd been raised in the church, and I was like, I wasn't comfortable with it, but then more events would happen, and I think he kept pestering me, he kept pestering me, he kept pestering me, and I remember why I gave up, and I was just like, yeah, I think there was a few events that happened, I'm not just blaming my mum. There was a few events that happened and um, I just felt triggered. And I remember one day just thinking, I was so hurting about something. I can't remember what it was, but um, I was just like hurting because I remember it had been up until I was 13, my brother's best friend who's no longer here was molesting me. And um, he was fondling me in my own bed, in my own house on a regular basis and I couldn't tell anyone. I felt like no one cared and was setting me up to be molested. So I just felt like I had boxed in a lot of pain and I had boxed in a lot of trauma over the years. And I think I I was starting to see this individual always around and having to pretend and wear a mask. And then at times when my brother used to punch me up and headbutt me, it just got me really angry. And I think Either that night, my brother would have punched me up um, about maybe being out late. or I've, I think my mum might have boxed me down. And um, a few times had happened because I had obviously started to stay out late after school. So I was getting some whoop-ass. 
And um, it was having an impact on me because I was getting conflicting messages. I was getting beaten by my family. I was getting um, emotional, mental abuse from them, like psychological abuse from them. And I was always getting cursed out by them. And no matter what I would do, and then I'd just see myself in the house cleaning, being made to clean. So I'd feel like a Cinderella and I'd feel like I was in a slavery and I never saw them doing anything that they made me to do. And then they would be doing some bare slackness. So I was getting conflicting messages. And then I felt like I was just breaking on depression, thinking I can't, I can't, um, I can't stay being the good girl anymore. I don't want to stay being the good girl anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. I need to be with someone who cares for me. And then I think I was ready. And I remember that night, um, thinking to myself, um, I'm going to go over to his house because I had seen him and it had been days and he kept saying to me, he kept getting in my head and saying to me, well, you've come to my house and this is going to be the day. And the day had come and then I went over. So I climbed out my window and, um, yeah, I remember going there. And then I think I met up with a friend a couple of times and gone over there. But on the day I lost my virginity to him, I had been over there and he took me in the house and obviously done the deed. And um, I remember that day, it being really painful, but at the same time, it was like an out-of-body experience that I felt like that day I was betraying my late father because I remember looking over at um, something in the room and thinking, my dad's probably watching this. Um, what's what I'm doing like from heaven thinking how could you do this Sophia like you're an empress how could you allow yourself to become unclean you know and um, even I was tricking myself to believe that my virginity was still there even though I knew I'd been molested from early I, I was hoping that he didn't notice but um, I would say that's another thing that caused me to relapse and be even more um, under this guy's control because I remember him saying to me um, it took a couple months I think it was three months while he was sleeping with me over a course of three months um, he, I remember him sitting me down on the bed and saying Sophia I slept with a lot of versions before and even though I had bled I hadn't bled as much um, blood um, that he said he was normally used to and then he was like um your virginity was half taken. It was like, it was like somebody took it already, but it was healed back, but it was already taken. And then he was being all nice about and tactful. And he goes, was you a virgin or was you lying? And I said, I was a virgin. And then he was like, he just looked like I was being a liar. And I think after a while, he must have, he asked me if something had happened to me in my childhood, but I just kept denying it and just acting like, what are you talking about? But obviously, it was another way um, for me to relapse and remember certain things I had suppressed, but I wasn't ready to speak on. And um, I remember going away and feeling like I had entered back into everything I had buried that had just come rushing up and just pulling me under and feeling dirty and then feeling like 
addicted at the same time, needing to be with, intimate with this guy. And then um, feeling like I was toxic and I was under possession. And it was such a confusing time because obviously I was still in school, going to school and then going to his house, teething out, going, um, when I say teething out, crawling out my um, bedroom window, going all hours of the night, could be going there from 3am in the morning or trying to pace myself, making sure everyone in my household was sleeping or if my mum was knocked out with alcohol, making sure she's definitely um, asleep, making sure that my brother's gone out and he's not going to be returning that night um, from his girlfriend. And, um, yeah, just kind of living, like, in the fast lane. And I remember um, he would always be keen for me to bring my other female friends there that were obviously schoolgirls. So um, there was quite a few girls, obviously, that ended up losing their virginity because they were associating with me. And um, that would have been their first time, obviously, having sex. And I just feel like... I feel I felt guilty yesterday about it. But at the same time, um, I felt like it was kind of their choice. I don't know, felt like I was young and grown in some ways, but I wasn't. I was definitely still a child and just very um, broken and needing um, guidance and needing real family, you know, and not feeling like I had it. So after that, I, I, I remember I slept with the guy who groomed me from I was 14 and a half all the way up until I was 19. I'd have like an on and off affair at times. And um, anytime I was with someone else, I would always run back to him. And he'll be like, how is, how is my young version or whatever he would call me? And he'll be like, he'll be like knowing, like, he'll be like, oh, you haven't seen me for a few months. And then he'll be making a joke about it, thinking she's always going to need me. She's always going to be coming. And um, I remember, I think something had to happen that was huge. I, um, I'm not going to put it on this podcast, but something had to happen whereby I realised once I got to a certain age, I think another friend of mine, one of my day ones, she must have said, you know, like, we were groomed by these guys, you know, um, into all of the stuff that they made us do and how they used us. And they're actually paedophiles. And then she was explaining to me that they were this such age. And then when um, I obviously got older and became a young mum, it was then revealed that they were much, much older than us by far. So they should never have been sleeping with us. And um, they definitely were paedophiles. So that was like a world wing in itself because it took for many years for me to then to discover they weren't the age that they were claiming. And um, I remember I did get apology from the guy many years later and I think I followed him on Facebook a, t a few times or allowed the friend request to come. And um, sometimes, I think one day I had it out with him many years later, I had it out with him and I cussed him out and I cussed them all out saying what they were. And one day they would be fathers and would they want their daughter to be tr treated the way that they treated us because they played a lot of mind games. And um, they were breaking us down to make us so dependent on them. So there was a lot of even more um, damage, psychological damage. They were doing so much physical damage to our bodies. And then they were um, pulling us in, breaking us down, building us up. And it was just, 
it was just a lot for teenage girls of our age to be dealing with. And there definitely wasn't no one we could have talked to because we were talking amongst ourselves because we were all coming from dysfunctional homes. So after this, I'm going to obviously talk about um, what I feel can be um, done to prevent your child being groomed online and in the community. And I think I kind of gave it away when I kind of told you the environment was the host for me. I was sad, I was broken. Um, I was in a polluted household. Um, there was a lot of um, like psychological abuse going on in my house against me and it was very toxic the environment so yeah that's kind of like self-explanatory in itself but I feel like I would like to end this podcast with just a bullet point of things that I feel like um would be useful going forward for parents who are interested or young people who may be listening to this and recognizing they are they have been groomed and um they need to tell someone and they need to get away from that individual so I'm gonna do signs you are currently being groomed or signs you were you was groomed and um you need to own up to what was that situation yesterday and forgive yourself and time to heal basically after this i'll come back and obviously listen to the last part and yes this one went over 10 minutes by far but yeah i felt like i needed to do this one it was definitely important to me and um I've shared a lot of my yesterday stories with my children to make sure they knew there would always be open dialogue. And I think it's important for us as parents going forward to own the people we were yesterday, as broken as we were yesterday, um, to give our children an insight um, into what is toxic behaviour, what is abuse and how... Um, people will try to groom them because if we don't teach them about this someone else will be grooming them um, and we need to obviously always stay and have um, stay having open communication and keeping the channels of communication open no matter what the situation is going on we need to be applying positive affirmations and when communication is broken we need to obviously always stand in love and make our children feel safe at all times, that they can come to us, that they can cry to us and not find someone else to be a substitute parent to cry to because that person could be ending up being abusive to them or may groom them and start controlling their bodies and their minds. So this was Savailan UK. Um, like I said, I'm going to come back and drop some little gems at the end so if you're interested to hear how to prevent your child from being groomed what to do about it that will be coming next thank you guys this is Sophia London I realized I left this piece out of my podcast when I was covering grooming and how I was groomed when I was 14 and a half or they're about 14 I think um so I'm gonna get into it now I won't do any gaps this will be the last bit and maybe at the end I might do a little segment where I talk about um games the person played on me and how it impacted on me um, I didn't really talk about the impact on how it affected my mental health. 
So I'll do a little segment about how it impacted on me while I was being groomed and how it affected and delayed my self-concept as well as my overall um, life and that's dealing that time um, of that nice, well it should have been a nice time but it was, I felt like it, I robbed myself and betrayed myself in my adolescence um, from experiencing that. I'll get into signs you may be being um, groomed by someone and remember you can be groomed by anyone, family, friend or foe, online, offline, in your community, you can be groomed in any situation and it, it just needs an environment and a host and you just need to be in that environment, you need to be accessible so you would have to obviously be available for someone to interact with you whether it be online or in your personal space or your home or your community so there's no order of this when I say but um I'll talk through obviously um what I think made it easy for me to be groomed in the way that I kind of just roll out um signs you may be in a, groomed by someone so signs you may be in a groomed by someone someone is so keen to befriend you they seem very obsessed with you they hardly know you but they're wanting to gather your personal information quite fast and swift their questions are always around you and knowing about you and your experiences and your circumstances as well as painful experiences they want to dig deep into your inner um, personal space and um, find out as well put you in a traumatic state whereby normally when we are speaking about lived or painful experiences it's with a professional therapist a loved one someone who has proven to us that they're loyal they care they love us and we are in a secure space whereas someone who is trying to groom you what they are they haven't earned their merits they are very subtle with their approach in the early stages so they will basically more likely stalk you before before grooming you they will be watching your behaviors your triggers um your lifestyle your um support network and um like your things that may be of interest so they will try and um then act like they are interested in the same areas in order to trick you in order to create a bond and um, make you feel you both are similar and you have um got this i don't know inner spirit um that is gelled and um that you will benefit from maybe their knowledge or knowing them you know so they try and connect they try and connect and they nest around areas of your interest as well as um are trying to nest in personal spaces and um they're always wanting to talk about intimate things um private matters um but first they will build your trust by giving you a lot of positive affirmations and you might say Sophia hold up our friends do that um our loved ones do that what makes it different is this individual doesn't know you they're just pouring out affirmations positive affirmations upon you and they are trying to reset how you feel 
about them and they're taking ownership of your emotion of your emotions and your reactions and your outlook so they're just basically homing in and tapping in and once they're able to do that they recognize that you are being they they know they recognize that you are trusting them and then they step back and make you feel somewhat alone so then you come back and then you have to get more and they're taking more layers off of you slowly and slowly they're taking more layers off of you and sometimes when they're removing layers of you it could be that you're pouring more information in them about your lived experiences or your interests or your circumstances so you're becoming more and more reliant on them and you're feeling like you and them are having this um divine bond because um of the similarities and the appreciation signs that you could be being groomed they remove all of the people who care and have proven time and time again that they've cared about you and this could be your best friend they remove your best friend from you and having a relationship with them so they might lie to you and they might be making up rumors about this person talking about you or they might try and say this person's jealous of you or saying that you can do better than associating with these people um they might even try to control what religion um you what you follow so they they they're really getting into your psyche and they're really dominating areas of your own personal development signs that you might be being groomed this person is often more mature and more worldly they could be a lot older than you but they don't have to be because this is another thing that I have a gripe with a lot of times um social media main media will make it seem like it has to be a huge gap it doesn't it doesn't matter you could be groomed by someone who is in the same age as you but the likelihood of that happening is very slim but it's possible so don't always think oh this person's the same age as me they possibly couldn't be grooming me they could be grooming you if they are removing your inner peace and dominating how you think and feel about yourself and how you carry out your day-to-day tasks and who you move around with what you do and how you function if it's got to a place where this person is making you feel not worthy and that you can't achieve anything without them they've groomed you and they've possibly brainwashed you because that's what happens with grooming when you're groomed you are being controlled so you've been brainwashed and um they have now reprogrammed you they've reset you and now you're feeling out of control and unstable because you are now a whirlwind of emotions without them and um you're seriously dependent on them another sign that you've been groomed this person often gives you gifts and they're giving you gifts that maybe possibly you could have wanted for some time they are giving you gifts in order to get you to do sexual favors or they might be giving you gifts because um you might have spoken about certain things that you need they might have honed in and saw your level of poverty or your circumstances maybe you were in a toxic um family and you're often neglected so this person could be buying you sneakers could be taking you to do activities and they're always telling you not to tell anyone 
So another sign you're being groomed. They have told you to keep secrets and everything they tell you, you're not allowed to share with anyone else outside that relationship. Um, they keep um, making you feel small and then putting you on a pedestal, then kicking you off of that pedestal. So you're being built up only to be broken down. You see that you are being, um, con you will see that you're being groomed if every time you're spending time with that individual, you have a range of emotions and it's an emotional roller coaster whereby whatever they say to you, it has a direct impact on how you feel about yourself and your outlook. Another sign that this person is grooming you or possibly could be grooming you, they could be obsessed with you that they're focusing in on you and maybe they're a friend of the family they don't want to spend time with others they solely um, want to get you in an isolated space where it's just you and them and they're always coming around when you have an ox them another sign that you could be being groomed is this person is always trying to have physical contact with you touching you on your shoulders um, giving you hugs that you haven't um, tried to even engage with, like you haven't asked them. They're always invading your personal space and privacy. They um, could be, um, often you might call, catch this person staring at intimate places of your body parts. So it could be your breast or your, your, your lower area, um, your private areas, your private parts, sorry. And they might be asking you to send nudes to them. So that's another sign that they are manipulating and they are grooming you. So what could happen before they ask you to send nudes, they might want to show you a lot of pornographic um, imagery and that could be through maybe sending you uh, mini clips of pornos or maybe sending you um, intimate photos of their nudes. They might be always leading the conversation onto us into a sexual matter and always um, making you refocus so you could have called them or they could have called you you could be working on a project and you could be at school and they will always keep asking you to meet up with them and make a sacrifice and always acting like they're in a crisis so they would often manipulate their emotions in order to put you in feeling like you need to be there for them always um burdening you with their emotions and being on a roller coaster with their emotions another sign that you could be groomed is your instinct we all have an instinct your instinct could be telling you this person is dangerous this person i feel like this person is trying to control me this person doesn't make me feel good about myself this person belittles me your friends, another sign you could be being groomed is your friends and your family could be concerned about the in interactions and how that person is impacting on your mental well-being. So that could be another sign. Another sign that this person is grooming you is that they are always taking and making you make sacrifices that you don't want to, always pushing you to do things that you're not ready for. Um, another sign that you could be being groomed is they make you take risk that you are not wanting to take and you might say oh that's the same thing but the risk-taking behaviors they might ask you to climb out of your window or leave your house um, without letting anyone know where you're going maybe you've been sent to the shops or maybe 
you're going on your way to school and they call you on your mobile and they're asking you to come and see them. Then when you meet up with them, they told you you was going to chill out or they were going to take you out for a meal. And instead of taking you out to a place that they've promised, they then have sex with you and they possibly could start having sex with you without your consent. And that could show that they've been grooming you and they just wanted to get you into a place where they could actually do what they wanted to do. And after a while, you will feel like this is an abusive relationship and you might keep denying the truth that this doesn't feel good. I don't enjoy, um, I'm not enjoying this relationship anymore, but I feel trapped. You feel always constantly feeling trapped and you're constantly feeling squashed down and you're feeling always fearful of seeing that person, but still feeling like you need that person, not feeling um, well inside yourself your confidence is now broken so these could be possible signs all of these signs are signs that you're being controlled and someone has been grooming you and, and it's an abusive relationship what I will say at the end if you feel like you see lots of these signs and a lot of these things are happening it's important for you to speak to someone that you trust that you know is going to be able to support you in order to get you out of that situation cut all contact with that person if you need to report it to the authorities report it to the authorities keep a diary of events that have happened already and own it and when i say own it write it down on paper what has happened what has taken place so that any day when you are feeling like oh i need that person i'm going to call that person yes you've deleted and you've changed your number you've cut all contact you then call that person on your new mobile number and they've got your new mobile number and now you've brought them back into your life and now they're going to get you back into that cycle. So I want you to keep a diary of events as well as um, maybe make voice notes and talk about like a journal of how it's made you feel, what it was like in that situation with that person. So anytime you feel like you're feeling broken and low and you feel like you need them, you can play that voice note and remember how you felt while you was involved with them and when when and how much they've taken already and how important it is for you to be well be safe and for you to be in a loving relationship and that could be making it right with your making it right sorry with your family rebuilding the bond and maybe have taking time out to abstain from relationships and just working on yourself i hope this was helpful sorry for me waffling and sorry for the stuttering as well i apologize for that always expect that with me um this was sophia london uk and i hope you guys needed that one and if you did and you liked it um do feedback and if you found this useful do share with those who may need it take care This is Sophia London and I apologise for not um, finishing this episode sooner. I've had a few things to do this week that maybe I've been distracted. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to get back to finishing this episode and um, telling you guys basically things that I feel make it easier for children to get groomed online or within their community. 
I've talked through my story, I've spoken through my story and I've shared it to you and I've been honest and open. And I want you to know that whatever you're giving your child currently, it doesn't make it impossible for them to get groomed. But you need to recognize the world we're living in is definitely very advanced. So people will be very cunning. Sometimes I feel like technology helps people who want to abuse children it makes it easier for them to have a relationship with our children, whether it be online or just having access. So my first recommendation would be, be very vigilant to really have the conversation with a family member, if you don't have a father in the house, to say, is my child mature enough to have a phone? And it's definitely important. Does your child understand certain hazards is your child streetwise? And that's another thing. Sometimes your child can be streetwise, but these people who groom are so, so more advanced. They have techniques, you know? They know how to befriend. Befriending a child is really easy because when they're innocent, they won't see trouble. They won't be judgmental of others. They'll be open. They'll be friendly, you know? Especially when they're going through the adolescent stage. We're always, we're always teaching our children, rightfully and wrongfully, that we need to be kind and accept others, but you need to teach your children. They don't have to accept everyone. They can have barriers and they can have, um, they can have, they have the right to make their own judgments about people. So you need to give them the tools. You need to give them the tools that is, the first tool is the tool of self-respect, definitely. The tools of openness, communication so they need to have a, a good solid relationship with you and if they don't have a solid relationship with you and they've got a mobile phone they're going to have a solid and can um, direct relationship with someone else who is possibly going to be starting to groom them online or within their community they're going to have direct access to your child most children who are groomed they've had inner wounds that were, were not recognized in the family and were buried away. So what that person did, they came in and befriended your child because maybe you ignored your child. Let's be real. Maybe you ignored your child and you didn't give them enough time. And maybe you didn't make them a priority. So what I'm saying, make sure your children are your priority. And even if you're a busy parent, make them know why you're busy and why it's important that you feel, that they feel sorry, a part of the journey and they're the most important part of your journey and family life for you is sacred and first so how does how does that look like some teenage girls go through that stage and some teenage boys go through that stage all of us whatever age you are you go through that stage of having maybe self-doubt not liking your appearance not feeling good enough remember that stage we've all passed through it we've all passed through pain so remember, your child is going to be having challenges, personal challenges. And if they're not a person that likes to communicate and they're not really open, it's important that they know they can communicate in the way that they, they can reach you. And that open communication is always available to them, whether they are in your good books or in, their, in your bad books. Don't ever shut the communication and give them silence because then you invite someone in in who is going to be able to dictate and manipulate 
their relationship with themselves as well as their relationship with you. And they will be. We've all read, most of us have read the story of the big bad wolf. You know, all of the little pigs were were taught about being careful and there was a big bad wolf there. And they had all different techniques. Like they choose, they all were going to make their house up with different material. Make sure when you're building the foundation of family life that you enrich your children with the knowledge that they have the right to protect their life at all costs first in every situation and what does that look like that they have a priority and the responsibility to walk away from anything they don't understand and are not ready to receive and when you're getting on their nerves or you're pissing them off they have the right to reply so if you're in a household and you say to your child shut up i'm talking and you keep saying it you're rubbing out their voice and they're going to go underground and they're going to probably run into the arms of someone else who's going to be ready to receive them and say, I'm here, I'm here, I'm, I care for you. I, I love you. They're going to manipulate your child and they're going to be telling your child who they are and what they want for them. And first they're going to boost them up and then they're going to break them down. They're going to be chipping away at their confidence and they're going to be removing all of what you built in them. And they're definitely going to make your child feel secure and make them feel like they're the only most important person. They only need to be reliant on that person, the person who's groomed them. So don't invite and don't make an environment to have a host at any time. And yes, you might say, Sophia, that's impossible. Sadness is always going to be there. Pain is always going to be there. Make sure you're there. That's what I'm saying. Pain is always going to be there, but don't allow the host to remove your place away from your child no matter what they're passing through you know they're gonna always be passing through different challenges i know most of my high school life was lived in silence i didn't have a direct relationship with my mum, and that's just not really what i'm discussing here and now because i could put that in a podcast another time i didn't have anyone to talk to and everyone i had around me that i could possibly talk to they wanted to talk to me in the way they felt was best for me, but they wasn't ready to hear me. So that's another thing. You need to open your ears. You need to be able to look at your child. And you need to be able to look deep within their eyes and see their inner pain. And they don't need trainers. They don't need all of these things. And sometimes they might need trainers. Maybe sometimes they might need some material things in order to feel confident. But it starts with the inner. So don't just deal with the outer and you haven't done with the inner. Because when you deal with the outer... The inner still is vulnerable and is easily to be groomed. So the next thing I would say as well, show your children positive affirmations and positive parent. Display love in an open way so they feel always full on life and love and that they have a place in the world. And another thing I would say, always praise your child because at times they're going to be told you're rubbish, you're stupid, when they're going to school, someone's going to say, you look ugly. We all know people are like that when they're in high school. High school is not easy, you know? When we look at high school for us back then, we didn't have social media. We didn't have to worry about taking selfies and whatever people were going to say and share about us. All we had to worry about, our battles were different yesterday, that's what I'm saying. We had the battles our children had, but we didn't have the same... We didn't have the same. We didn't have the paparazzi following us. 
we had to worry about gossip we had to worry about hunger we had to worry about abuse yes we had to worry about grooming people grooming but now these people have been given a platform to roam and um, ransack our family life where some of us we wasn't even given a mobile phone i know my when i was young my mobile phone was the phone box yeah, the phone box and getting a 20p was hard. So don't give your children access to money and you don't even monitor how they're spending it. When the children go out and they buy something, ask to see the receipts so you know what they're spending the money on. And it's not saying that they don't have a right to privacy. I don't feel that children need a right, um, a right to privacy in all areas. Yes, they have a right to privacy when it comes to their bodies and certain things like their room, their personal space and having a maybe a diary that they can write their deepest thoughts and yes you should actually just stay away from the diary don't snoop because i know i've done that and i know my girls weren't too happy and they were like mum you crossed the line and i apologize but sometimes if we have to sneak into our children's diaries doesn't that just show that we're not really communicating we're not really parenting our children we're allowing them to parent themselves and then we're failing them they don't have all the answers. They're just trying to figure out life. And then they're trying to maybe look, the, maybe they're look, trying to look like they know what's going on. But we were here before them. And it doesn't mean that if we were here before them, we know everything. But we know what the hurdles may be for them that they will face. So we should try to set up the road easier for them. So then they don't feel broken down by society and the life challenges they will face. And we don't make it easy for those people who are going to groom our children and remove them from our household. You know, we can look to the media as a source of education, but we need to look and pay attention to the children that are communicating and being broken in the household. You know, we need to look at our habits and our behaviours. We need to look at our friendships and our networks. Because some of our friendships, they're going to be people that are going to try and prey on our children. I know I was watching, my child and me were watching a documentary on Netflix of how a paedophile had groomed a parents first. They're really, really getting more clever and sneaky. They will groom you in order to get access to your children. So don't always think that the person who's going to groom is going to try to approach your child first. No, they possibly could be talking to you. So you need to start measuring what friendships you have and what are the ingredients behind those friendships and what are those friendships really and truly peel them back evaluate everything that is around your child and is around you because who you stand with could be damaging and abusing your children tomorrow and you don't want to blame yourself for giving access to a predator or someone that was able to trick you and remove all confidence from your child and all joy from your child. So what I'm saying is, another thing I'll say as well, be mindful that educators at school can abuse our children. Yes, they can, we've seen it, we've seen it. We've read enough, we've watched enough movies to know anyone can be a predator. Anyone can be a predator, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your uncle, your aunt, your pastor, your shopkeeper, anyone. Yeah, anyone, the headmaster, the police officer, anyone, anyone in uniform. There is no, there is no one feature or one type of people. In all different nations, there are abusers, fact. In all different families, there are abusers, fact. Sometimes children smile and they're not happy. 
I know I smiled a lot. Doesn't mean your child's happy. The child could have the cleanest room possible, have good body hygiene, and they could be broken inside. Inside, Because I know there's a few friends of mine that were broken emotionally inside and had been groomed and abused. And they got the top grades. So children deal with distress and they find ways to throw themselves into projects in order to cope. So don't think that just because your child's getting the highest grades, they ain't being abused. Don't rely on grades to tell you how your child is doing emotionally. It's not just the only thing you should be looking at. You need to be looking and reviewing how much contact does your child have on social media? How much contact does your child have with society and your community without your presence? Who's around your child? Who are your child's friends? When your child has mood swings, you need to be able to recognise before they've even um, started shouting and cursing in the house. You know, you need to be able to recognise positive and negative body language that you display to your child you know are you pushing them away or you are you telling them that they matter are you detesting them and breaking them down breaking them down too early are you building up you know you need to make sure that the the father whoever's if he's a father that is visiting or he's maybe a financial benefactor he's not a parent he's not positive parenting he needs to have less access to that child he needs to have access but if it's traumatic in the way that he's conducting his type of parenting i'm not being funny those trainers that he's going to buy your child it ain't worth it because then your child might need to have a lifetime of therapy and then who's to blame you're gonna you both are gonna have to blame yourself because you guys were just thinking oh this is the dad or this is the mum. it might be the mum that's toxic so always always um review the script you know you have a deadline to meet with your employer or you might have your own company but you always should be meeting your child's deadline before it's even overdue and yes that's hard in the world we're living today but sometimes you know we need to really stop and check and look in our own backyards and sometimes yes we have a responsibility to our communities because i do believe every child matters so you need to keep your eyes open. If you love your children, every child that is being abused in the community deserves to be protected. Because that person who is abusing that child, that child will grow up and maybe they might be broken or may, may turn into a menace of society. Or maybe they might be the recovery story for someone who, who came through abuse. But there's no guarantees. So what I'm saying, each one teach one. So whatever you want for your child, the children in your community matter because they will be a great influence over your child's life and journey. You know, there's no right and wrong way of parenting, but definitely there's a wrong way of parenting if you're not communicating and you're not actually giving positive affirmations onto your child and you're not really building your child up. You're just focusing on discipline, discipline, discipline. And what does discipline look like in your house? Does it look like shouting? Does it look like just put, throwing a punch? Is that not abuse? So when your child has got used to taking blows to the head or being beaten and whipped, when someone else does it to them, how are they going to know any different? That's what I'm saying. You know, we need to make sure we're always ready to retrain ourselves when it comes to anger management as parents, when it comes to finances, when it comes to education. I know I need to read more books. I'm seriously on that one. I'm seriously on that one because it was through... Um, 
doing live podcasts and podcasting and speaking in different rooms and different forums that I realised that my um, cognitive skills were declining. So it's my responsibility to make sure they don't. And it's your responsibility to make sure you keep an eye on your child. It's not the school's responsibility to watch your child when they're at home. It's your responsibility. It's not the school's responsibility to be um, perfect. No one can be perfect. There's going to be mistakes. But it's a partnership. So what I'm saying is, another thing I will say, if the child is constantly not wanting to eat at the table as a family, if that's type of environment or structure, family structure you guys have, that all of you sit around the table, make that t- make time to make that meal time, because I know I'm going to do it with my girls and um, my son as well, because it's been a long time since we sat around the table and had that family meal. Those things are seriously important because it opens the floor for communication and bonding and saying, yeah, we are a unit. Yeah, we are mighty fist. We stand together, united, you know? So what I'm saying, take time to review the way your parent and, and the way your child's communicating. They sometimes will reveal to you what they're dealing with in different ways. It might mean that your child starts wearing a lot of makeup, maybe a lot of tight clothes, maybe a lot of short clothes. Maybe they start going out um, or their lifestyle changes and their interest changes. Maybe they stop hanging around with good friends that you knew they formerly hanged out with. Or maybe they start hanging around out with people and being very secretive about the type of company they're keeping. They possibly could be being abused and they might be being brainwashed by someone who may be far older or maybe the same age as them. It's important for you to teach your child that their body is theirs and that you love them from early as possible, from seriously early as possible. Because if you delay that, whatever's happened to you, your child is not responsible for what happened to you yesterday. They're here now. So you have to really be ready to retrain and always stay training as a parent in order to protect your child. You always need to be putting on your armour and being training and rebuilding and reworking old lessons that never worked, that were not even worth um, continuing with. Like things that our parents used to um, do to us, they didn't work with us. Some of us still rebelled. What worked with when you was young doesn't mean it's gonna be working today. Like we're living in a new world. It's changing. The whole structure's changing. Children are living their lives on social media. When when we were young, the only time we were exposed to social media was via the music industry. If we was following something in the charts, we was watching a, a pop concert on the television or a programme or show. That was our social media. Today, children are now walking around taking selfies every 10 minutes, some of them. Or every hour, some of them. Even us adults are doing it. Make sure your child knows that the flesh and the outer is not the most important part of themselves. And make sure you're displaying positive role models around them, especially if they don't have a dad. You know, to keep that balance. They need that the right type of energy. They don't need people around them that are going to mock them. And don't allow any of your friends to mock your children. Cut them off. I'm not just saying that children need to have 
um, oh, oh yes yes people because definitely they need to be tested at times so then they're resilient and they are resilient but we know trauma is real and recovery is sometimes sadly is only for a few so do you want your child to have a beautiful life or do you want your child to just look beautiful Focus on what's more important. The inner is most important. The relationship's most important. Their grades don't matter. I remember when my child was failing and their well-being was declining. I was going through a rough time. The whole family were. And I remember I, go, I went into the school and the school seemed to be more um, focused on my child's grades. And I said, I don't care about the grades here today. I'm more, in, I'm more worried about my, uh, my child's mental health. And the, the teacher looked at me like, how dare you? And I thought, I will say this, because you need to recognize children are more than grades. Children are more than their hairstyles. Children are more than whatever they look like or whatever type of face they got. Children are more than being beautiful. So this was Sophia London UK. I'll drop some more, because I might have not covered everything. My, my purpose for this is saying, mind your children or someone else will mind them for you and they may be able to be abused on your watch because you weren't watching take care and all the best